Welcome to LOA Today. Walt Thiessen and Life Coach Patty Framo here. Today is Monday, September the 10th, 2018, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, your second daily dose of happy for the day. And we hope your day's off to a good start. Your week is off to a good start because uh, as we like to talk about every Monday, Monday's the most important day of the week. I mean, it may not seem like it, but it really is because, you know, what's, Patty, what's the normal thing for Monday? Oh, God, it's Monday. Uh-huh. Yeah, usually you're dragging that, your feet. You know, isn't that what it is usually? Oh, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, we try to encourage people to get into that happy place because when you're in that happy place your week goes so much better so we hope your money's off to a great start and even if it's not you made the right decision you call you, you decide to uh, tune into the podcast today we're going to help you get there and we actually have help today because we got a we have a podcast veteran like this is like one of the best podcast veterans out there doing stuff related to the law of attraction julie ryan is on the law of attraction radio network and i don't even know how many years uh she's been on there she probably won't even admit to it because you know we, we like to not give away ages around here but uh <laughs> she is like this she's like the one of the queens of uh, law of attraction podcast and she was very kind to decide to come on board and uh, do a show with us today and and we're going to learn a lot about her, her. I mean, if you read her description on uh, her podcast page, it, it's really kind of intriguing. In fact, Patty, it made me think of you because of your background and what you do for a living. There's like a definite overlap here. So I'm kind of curious to see how, how is the two of you, how is it that the two of you are going to be communicating on this one particular thing? Because <laughs> Julie is a medical intuitive I don't even know exactly what that is, but I think we're going to find out. She's a medical intuitive and a spiritual psychic counselor who can sense what medical conditions and illnesses a person has to facilitate energetic healings. She's able to see energy fields as well as communicate with those who have already transitioned. And she can do all of this through distance healing, which means she is amazingly well connected to source energy. So without further ado, welcome Julie Ryan to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm delighted to be with you this afternoon. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you too. We hope you're you're, you're having a great Monday too. I am. So, all right, I have to ask, this is the only way that I can think of to start the podcast. What is a medical intuitive? A medical intuitive is somebody who can detect and facilitate healing with medical conditions, either in humans or animals. Wow. Or plants or whatever. I don't do a whole lot of plants, mostly <laughs> humans, but dogs, dogs and cats and other animals too at times. And so I raised my vibrational level while, to the level of spirit. Because when we're in when we're in human form, our spirit is attached to a body, and the body has mass, and so it slows down the vibration level, vibrational level. So I've learned how to increase my vibrational level. It takes me a nanosecond to do it, and I close my eyes and I watch a laser beam go from my body wherever I am, and it hooks into the person that I'm scanning wherever they are, and I only scan with permission either either verbally or telepathically, I'll ask the person permission. And then I watch energy go from their feet up through the top of their head. And it's like I have a hologram of them in my mind's eye. And then once that's happened, and it takes a couple seconds for that to turn my radar on, I call it, 
And then what happens is I can see in my mind's eye broken bones, torn ligaments, viral infections, bacterial infections, cancer, tumors, whatever. And, uh, and it's as if I'm looking at an x-ray or an MRI or a CT scan. Wow. You know, Julie, I have so many questions that I am chomping at the bit. Well, you better go, Patty. Right. I mean, because because Julie, Patty is in a, a very related field to what you do. So, Patty, you take okay. it from there. Well, I'm a serial entrepreneur like you. I do. I've done all kinds of things. Um, right. But I am both a life coach and a medical hospice social worker. So I do both. Oh, and yeah. Re- really use law of attraction in everything that I do. I mean, that, that sure. whole connection is what, what totally works for me, but I'm, um, I'm really curious how you discovered that you were, ev- you could even do this. This whole I didn't, medical, medical I didn't, ability. I learned how to do it. Okay. How I learned learn? how to do everything that learn? I do. I, I tell people I'm a, I'm a businesswoman that does woo woo and I'm a buffet of psychicness. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's cute. So, I love that. I'm an, I'm an inventor of surgical devices that are sold around the world, orthopedic surgery devices, and that have been on the market for, in some cases, close to 30 years now. Wow. And I, I have always been interested in medical things. I've owned manufacturing companies. I obviously have, uh, designed and invented devices. And, and so when I heard about um, medical intuitive, a friend of mine in my mid thirties, 25 years ago, gave me a book about a medical intuitive. I thought, what the heck is that? I've never heard of it. (laughs) And, and so I read it and I was interested. And then I wanted to learn more. And back then we didn't have Amazon. We didn't, we barely had the internet. So I went to a bookstore. <laughs> oh, really old fashioned. <laughs> I, I went to an old fashioned way. I found an old fashioned way to a bookstore. And I found a book called Hands of Light by a woman named Barbara Brennan, who's a former NASA physicist. And she took quantum physics and distilled it into understandable language for somebody who with a non-scientific mind. And wow. I have a degree in communication. I don't have a scientific mind. And so I, I read that and I thought, well, I'd like to know more about that. And I wonder if, if her, she had a school at the time on Long Island. And so I called her school. I said, do you have anybody who's a graduate that's teaching? I was living in Nashville, that's teaching in the Nashville area. And they said, yeah, it's like, we have it. We do. And so I trained with a woman in Nashville at a, called the School of Healing Arts in Nashville. And I took, I took formalized classes for six years. Ah, uh, wow. So it was also interesting to hear how in your podcast this morning, you were, or I don't know if it, when, when it was taped, but I listened to it this morning, um, how you were able to go just connect with spirit so quickly and easily. That's what was so fascinating. Mm-hmm. How do you, how did you learn well, how to do that or how do you, did you practice? I mean, how did you do that? Cause that's such an amazing skill. Oh, thanks. And by the way, as a hospice person, goodness, you guys are angels on earth. <laughs> really? That, well, you know, I everybody got, I, I know that that's worked in that industry. They say that once somebody gets into it, that it's really, they, they usually don't leave. It's hard to, you know, there's not much turnover. And I just think what you're doing is so 
amazing for families and and people. So thanks for the work you're doing. And it really has so much to do with having that belief that, or what makes it easier for me is that belief that when we transition, we're just transitioning into pure positive energy. And so it doesn't feel like such a horrible thing. You know, there's something about that that lightens it all up and, and being able to talk with families about that is really rewarding and just teaching them about the process and all that. Well, and that's what my book's about, Patty and Walt. Mm-hmm. It's called Angelic Attendance, and it's about what happens as we're dying and as we're transitioning. And it's really a glorious component to the dying process mm-hmm. that most people, as you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, are so afraid of mm-hmm. not only what's going to happen once they're dead, but I think people are more afraid about what's going to happen as they're dying. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, sure. so much of it is is a mystery and and we uh, what i find is that people are in a couple of realities at the same time but yeah. when we can tell them about their angels and their deceased loved ones and their deceased pet spirits that are around them it uh, it really ends up comforting not only the person who's dying but also the family mm-hmm. and i i know you've experienced as has every person that's worked in the hospice industry and really a lot of, a lot of nurses and doctors and just regular people who've been with family members if they, as they've been dying, people will often say, well, my dad's here or my, or Jesus mm-hmm. is here or, mm-hmm. or my dog is here. And, and you look at granddad and you say, well, granddad, your dad's been dead for 80 years. <laughs> or something like that. I know it's true. It's true. And we think granddad's hallucinating. Well, granddad's not hallucinating. Because granddad's dad's spirit is in the room and granddad can see him. Well, and one of the so, things that's so noteworthy about that, I think you're absolutely right. I've, I've seen that a lot where people have seen people who have passed, even in the weeks before they get closer, but mm-hmm. especially when it gets closer to that. But one of the things that I feel is so noteworthy is that it's never scary for them. It's always that right. piece of it is so comforting for them. So I feel like that's just a part of the process that allows them to relax into that transition. And, you know, I mean, gosh, everybody's different. Some are, you know, really, really fighting it and you can see it. There's a lot of fear and there's who knows what other issues like afraid of the people who are still here that they won't be okay and all sorts of issues. But um, when people do actually accept where they're at and relax into the process, it's so amazingly peaceful. Mm hmm. Well, and I think to your point, too, when um, when they see those loved ones and I actually everybody, whether they die instantly or whether they die over a prolonged illness over year, days, weeks, months, whatever, um, they go through what I call the 12 phases of transition. And there are different configurations of how the angels and deceased loved ones are around them. And it can happen in a second. It can happen, like I said, over a long period of time. And there, there's a chart of that on my website, you guys, which is askjulieryan.com. And there's a whole section in my book that talks about that. And so I can tune in to somebody back to your original question before we got diverted there. (laughs) Um, I can tune in with somebody in a nanosecond by by raising my vibrational level, I close my eyes, I watch a laser beam go, and it's really within about a second, I connect to anybody, anywhere in the world, any, I can connect to a spirit, any, anybody that's alive, anybody that's 
deceased, it doesn't matter, can connect to, to um, you know, other planets if need be, which that's really wild. Wow. And that doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. Actually, I just got off a consult where that happened with a two-year-old baby that I was scanning per the mother's request. But, but the wonderful thing about it is we all do it naturally. I've just learned to enhance it over 25 years. We mm-hmm. all have natural telepathic abilities. We all have psychic abilities. We all have intuitive abilities. We've all had experience experiences where we think of somebody and we either run into them seemingly inadvertently or we get a phone call from them and you say oh my gosh I was just thinking of you this morning you must have Mm -hmm. caught my mental wave right (laughs) that's exactly what's happened so we all have had things where we thought we didn't have a good feeling about it but we did it anyway and then we regretted it yeah yeah that's all that's it's that it's that inner it's that inner absolutely. knowing that we that we all have. I absolutely. Agree. I'm just really curious absolutely. how you're so uh, you can do it so quickly and easily because a lot of people with law of attraction, one of the things they struggle with. I, I run a, a little like a meetup for law of attraction, and one of the things a lot of people mention is just how difficult it is when they're in a lower place, how to get into that higher vibration. Um, and for, you know, it can really take time. It can be a struggle. People need to take a nap. They need to do all sorts of things to get there. And, uh, it's just amazing that you can just sort of blink an eye and there you are. Oh, lots of, lots of practice over 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Lots of practice. But, but the other thing I think is I don't get tired when I scan people and on a, on any given day, I'll do anywhere between three and five individual consults and on my show I think the one that we just put up that we tape we tape my show on Thursday nights I think I got 12 people on this week which was an all-time record normally we'll get anywhere between seven or seven to ten ten is even a lot depends on what their questions are and then as you listen Patty there's just a plethora of Mm -hmm. topics they're all over the board from mm-hmm. career advice to medical to can you scan my cat? Can you talk to my dead grandma? Can you whatever? <laughs> I noticed um, that. that. And what was so cool yeah. you were so attentive to each one, regardless of how tiny the issue was. I mean, it's all relative, I guess. So some people oh, yeah, have sure. huge issues and some have these little teeny temporary issues, but yeah. in any case, you were right there with them. That was kind of cool. But that's what makes it fun. And then on the show, people who are listening invariably will benefit from it because they'll have some semblance of whatever the questions being asked are either happening in their lives or happening to somebody that they know. And maybe they'll pick up a little tidbit of divine guidance or something. I call it divine downloads that I get Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. I get information for people. But when I was first starting out to answer your question, I would close my eyes and envision a geyser of light going from my feet and shooting out the top of my head. Like you see in the national parks, you know, the geysers mm-hmm. out in the, I don't know, where are they? Yosemite or wherever. <laughs> Yellowstone. And, yeah. um, Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone. Yogi bear. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's jellystone, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, so that's what I did initially. And now it's, done it so much that it just takes me really a fraction of a second 
What, what was it like the first time, though? I mean, the very first time you were you were in training and, and you were being guided mm -hmm. on how to do all these things. The very first time that you connected, what was your reaction? Well, it, it, the first chapter of my book is all about my journey and how things came into me. And I started seeing colors and I started seeing then figures. And after I'd been been studying and it wasn't necessary that I was taught technique I was taught more about how energy works and the mm -hmm. quantum physics of energy and that kind of a thing and and so it, it started coming into me as colors and I see these colors swirling, swirling around and I thought who needs LSD I can <laughs> do this energy stuff <laughs> I got I got all this like wild stuff going on in my head. <laughs> and then, and then after a few, because that's what, that's what, when I was a kid and we'd watch these movies and things in school about staying away from drugs, you know, they'd show you what an LSD trip looked like. And it was all these colors that would be a kaleidoscope that would be moving around <laughs> almost like mm -hmm. paramecium on a screen or something, <laughs> you know, different colors. You know what I'm talking about? Like different colored paramecium. Yes. Like, when I see a, a paisley tie, those look like paramecium <laughs> to me. And then the shape of a paisley on a tie or something. I, don't well, I understand anyway, what you mean. <laughs> so, so after, after that for a while, we would, uh, we would practice on each other and I'd, hold my hands over somebody or whatever. And after a couple of years, I started seeing this grid that reminded me of a blueprint of a home or of a building. And it was these hair thin blue lines. Well, now I know that's called Einstein's string theory and it's called the fifth layer of the energy field. And that's the human body. And then that, after that, I saw that for a while, then I would begin seeing body parts. Like I'd see a heart or I'd see a, a femur, <laughs> whatever. And then it's just, it's just gone from there. And medical stuff was what I saw primarily at the beginning. And then after a few years of doing this work, then I started seeing uh, spirits. And I talk about that in my book as well. My grandmother my deceased paternal grandmother appeared to me and then, you know, I saw other things. And then when my mother was dying is when I saw the transition to, to um, the different phases to back to spirit form or to heaven. And since that time I scan houses, I scan buildings. I, I, when somebody's buying a house, I'll oftentimes I'll scan their home for them and they'll hand a list of things that need to be addressed to the inspector. This comes in like, handy kind of everywhere. How did you know there was mold in the upper eave in the left corner of the third floor attic? And, you know, I mean, I just, I can see it. I can see it when I focus in on anything because everything's made of energy. And so it's just tuning into that energy. And um, I can see that. I can see, um, you know, I can do satellite stuff. I, I mean, I, I really wow. am a buffet of psychicness. Yeah. yeah. So how do you see so. that being, since this is around law of attraction stuff, how do you see the connection between what you do and your belief system and law of attraction? Anything's possible, number one. <laughs> I, uh, yep. I, with my interest in the medical field, and I've been an entrepreneur in lots of other industries, but medical's always been my 
true love medical stuff. I'm fascinated by it. I will seek out things that interest me. And then invariably, I will have um, healings occur where I will watch things that correlate with the information that I've learned. For instance, a couple of years ago, I was working with a client in Sydney, Australia, and I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. So that's a little ways, that's mm. pretty far away. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was laughing. I, my son said, well, mom, you're talking to somebody real time in the future. And I said, yeah, you're right. Because they're 15 <laughs> hours ahead of us. <laughs> that's, that's true. true. <laughs> and and it was, uh, it, I was scanning a child of a woman, um, you know, who was my client. And the child had some genetic stuff going on. And I watched strands of DNA come out of, a, out of chromosomes. And I watched them get resequenced. Wow. And I knew enough from my high school science classes, DNA has four letters in it, ATCG. And I watched all of them get rearranged, almost like a Scrabble game, you know, where you take the letters and you rearrange them hmm. on, a, on a board, on a Scrabble board to spell mm-hmm. a word. Right. So I saw that. And then I, and then I thought, oh, my gosh, if this is really what I think it is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it next time I, I'm talking to somebody who's a cancer patient. Yeah. I mean, it's got something else. Big time going on. So several of those happened and I watched the same thing happen. And I watched these strands of DNA come out of the chromosomes, get resequenced, the letters. And the DNA is just the recipe that tells the cells how to behave. So there's one of the top research institutes in the world is two hours north of me in Huntsville, Alabama. And I've taken classes there. Actually, I'll be there tomorrow night for a class from these guys who are world famous geneticists. And so I called one of my buddies up there and I said, what am I seeing? And he said, it's called genome editing. There are five uh, research centers in the world that are working on it. Right now, it's a hypothesis. Nobody has seen it. Nobody can prove it. And there's no way in hell you would know about it. And I said, well, obviously I do because I'm seeing it in my mind all the time. (laughs) Now, again... I don't have any kind of scientific training. And so, so we've talked about it many times since, and it does have an impact on the healings that I watch occur have imp- an impact on the patients or on the clients. And so the short answer to that long explanation, Patty, is anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Something that I'm seeing in my mind's eye that's a Affecting the health of a person that's 15 hours ahead of me and however many thousands of miles, Sydney, Australia is from here, um, that is a hypothesis that people haven't been able to prove yet is happening. Hmm. So anything we can envision, I believe we can create. So do you, what part does the person you're healing play? Do they need to envision anything or is it you doing it? Or is it like, who's kind of directing that? And what I believe that, I believe that it's spirit working through me. I believe I'm the conduit. Mm -hmm. I believe that when I describe and I'm visual, so information comes to me visually first and then kinesthetically direct knowing that kind of thing. I'll get, once I'm plugged into somebody, I'll get lots of, I use different modalities to receive information and facilitate healing. So I believe when I'm explaining to them what I'm seeing in my mind's eye, they're visualizing it with me. And that helps create the belief 
And then if we if we have one thing that we work on, for instance, in a medical situation that feels better, or it's really fun when the x-rays or the CT scans or the MRIs are different, and that wow. freaks out the doctors. That's yeah. really fun. <laughs> what the heck? And the, the client will say, "Well, I got some. I got this this woman that's doing voodoo medicine on me." And they'll say, "Well, good. Tell her to keep doing it." Yeah, right. <laughs> so when when they get validation, either in the case of their symptoms are lessened or hopefully eradicated, and or they'll have some kind of blood test or a scan or something where they'll there will be a difference. Mm-hmm. Then they're then then they really start to understand. Okay, my body really does have the ability to heal. What I do, I believe, facilitates healing is complementary to Western medicine as we know it. So, oftentimes, as you probably heard on my show, somebody I like I tell them a lot they're twisted sisters because they need to <laughs> go see a chiropractor. <laughs> and so I'll watch an I'll watch an energetic healing occur where I'll watch a chiropractic adjustment and that will either take care of what the issue is and or really lay the groundwork so that when they do go get the actual chiropractic adjustment, it's going to facilitate that working better, faster, more completely. I see surgeries happen a lot before an actual surgery occurs. Um, I see with my three decades of experience in and out of the operating room, I see energetic surgeries that emulate that. What I saw in the operating room, I see energetic surgeries happen that utilize techniques and devices that I don't believe have been invented yet, which wow. that I love that as an inventor, wow. you know, that's really fun to see that. So I believe it's all holographic. It's all complementary to each other. It's just a different, it's just an extra set of tools to help the person heal and and um, attract whatever it is they're they're looking to attract. I also spend a lot of time helping people get very concise in what it is they want because mm-hmm. I think we wobble a lot. I think we mm-hmm. were like on seesaws and we we try and control how we're going to get what we think it is we want and it it just messes it up. Yeah, I'm wondering how much the person who's receiving the healing from you has to do with their own attitude, their own belief system. You know, there could be somebody like me, for example, that you've had back problems your whole life and you've tried everything and blah, blah, blah. So you've got a certain mindset on how difficult that is to cure. How would that affect your ability to have spirit help them? Well, I think it can affect it a lot, but I also think anybody that is um, asking for my assistance, there's a part of them that's searching for that. So there's a part of them that believes or is hoping that maybe this is going to help. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's just that little teeny bit of, of hope or of curiosity. I just need a little teeny bit to get in there and, and help facilitate healing. And I also trust that whatever happens is in that person's best interest. Mm-hmm. So it's their spirit's path. And, and it's maybe, I always talk about people follow the yellow brick road. You're going to have a brick light up on the yellow brick road that's going to be some sort of inspiration. Maybe it's 
you decide you want to look into energy medicine. So you Google it. Well, the next bit lights up and you see all these different healers and people like that. And you, you look through that and then the next brick lights up and you narrow it down to three. So you just follow your inspiration as it goes, as you go down the yellow brick road and it eventually leads to whatever it is that you want. So do you ever following that inspiration? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you ever have or see in people or have yourself where an active brain kind of overtakes the worry or anxiety or activity in your brain and your thinking kind of overshadows that um, allowing of those healings to happen? Oh, 100% of the time. That's how we're <laughs> raised. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so those of us to make are, it work or how does that work? Well, I think, yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's a learned skill to be mm-hmm. able to trust that it's all going to be in my best interest. And when something really snarly happens or something happens that, that uh, is not how you want things to be, it's a red flag to say, okay, well, maybe I, I need to look at this from a different perspective because it's happening for me and I just need to see how it's going to unfold. I can give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I was, I was in Nashville for a meeting which is three hours north of me here in Birmingham. And I drove up and I parked my car and I went in and I had my meeting for an hour and a half. And then I got in my car to come home and it made this really loud noise. And then all of a sudden I couldn't turn the steering wheel and the air conditioning went off. Hmm. Uh, okay. This is fun. Yeah, and right. <laughs> so I turned off my car, started it back up a couple of times. Well, it was obvious I wasn't going to be able to drive it. So I called AAA and I thought, well, this is going to be an adventure. I ended up, being towed. I got to the dealership. They had a loaner car for me. I called a girlfriend that lived there. I spent the night with her and her husband. It was his birthday. We went out to dinner with their kids and their grandkids. I had a ball. She gave me a t-shirt, a toothbrush and toothpaste. (laughs) I didn't have anything with me to spend the night. And then they had my car fixed the next morning. They got me in immediately. They had my car fixed. I was, I was back on the road, heading back to Birmingham at one. It was a ball. And mm-hmm. I could have chosen to be really mad and frustrated and whatever. But I thought, okay, this could be an adventure. Let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. The guys at the dealership were fabulous. The tow truck guy was just a doll. You know, I got to see my friend's grandbabies, one of whom I hadn't met, who was two. And it was just fabulous. The whole thing wow. canceled my day, canceled all my appointments. Everybody was very understanding. They hadn't been too bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not much they could do anyway, right? <laughs> well, not much they can do. And I didn't want to keep them because I didn't know what time my car was going to be ready. Sure. And yeah. I was going to be driving for three hours. And so I think it's all, it's all learned. You know, we all learn to overanalyze the daylights out of everything. We can learn to trust that the people we need and the the variables we need to show up are going to show up right when we need them perfectly. And then that helps foster us getting to what it is that we're we're looking to create. And I think the more we observe those synchronicities in our lives happening over and over again, when we do kind of relax into it, then you kind of get better and better at it. Exactly. And, and as a businesswoman, I have always trusted that the people I'm going to need are going to show up when I need them. And they always have. And I've always um, 
been pressured by outside forces to come up with measurables and all that kind of jazz. And, mm-hmm. and with this woo-woo stuff that I'm doing now, I am having a ball with it because I am not doing any of that. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm just saying, all right, it's just going to unfold how it unfolds. And I don't have a business plan. I don't, I'm not tracking sales. I'm not, I'm just not doing any of it. And it is just a blast. And it's really been, well, and it's been really magical. It's had lots of magical components as it's unfolded. And to answer your, your, your statement or question earlier, well, I've been doing my show for two years. It was two years in May. Oh, okay. All right. Well, actually we have a a listener question for you, Julie. Um, One of our listeners uh, has connected in through the zoom platform and via the chat, she has this question for you. She asks, what courses, classes, books would you recommend today to someone who would like to develop their intuitive side? And she says, thank you. And she also says, maybe more specifically to develop intuition in relation to animals. Yeah, it's all the same. It's all the same. It's just you just change what your focus is. And then you just connect to that, whatever that is, whether it's a house or an animal or a person or whatever. <laughs> um, the book that I mentioned, Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan, PhD, would be a book I would recommend. And my school that I went to is called the School of Healing Arts, and it's in Nashville, Tennessee. So if you Google that, you'll find that. All right, there we go. So now we're going to set a whole field of of new adepts out there to learn how to connect spiritually using the books in the Institute. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Absolutely. I was also checking out your um, 12 phases of transition that you have on your website. And I'm really Mm -hmm. curious how you develop that. It looks so interesting. When my mother was dying in 2002, and that's what my book's about is, is how she gave, she was an educator and this was her, her parting gift to me that has helped people around the world. I was, I saw this stuff happening with her and I thought, holy moly, what is this? And then have seen it just countless times since. Uh, But she was the first one that I saw all of these phases. And I haven't been able to find any other research or, or anything similar to this anywhere else in, in really trying to do a deep dive over the years to find there's lots on the stages of grief and, that kind of stuff, but really not much out there about what happens. There's lots of NDE, near-death experience information, but nothing really about what happens as somebody is transitioning. The only thing that I have found that that really even relates to it is a 5th century Gregorian chant that is called In Paradisum. And it talks about the angels and your loved ones will, will greet you and lead you into paradise. And it's a prayer that said at the end of every Catholic, Roman Catholic funeral mass. Mm-hmm. And I was raised Roman Catholic and I'm a practicing Roman Catholic. And so I have <laughs> heard it a bazillion times. But after I witnessed all this with my mom at her funeral, I thought, okay, this is, you know, whoever that monk was or those monks back in the fifth century who wrote that prayer, mm-hmm. these guys were seeing what I see. And, uh, and that's what the prayer talks about. And that's what I'm, I'm able to perceive. Wow. Are you able to perceive this with somebody when they are passing away? 
when they're going through the Oh, trip. absolutely. I can scan anybody anywhere in the world. And in a nanosecond, I can say, okay, they're in phase seven or they're in phase nine. And that will tell me immediately how close to death they are. I can communicate telepathically with the person who's dying. I can relay information from them, even if they're unable to communicate with their loved ones. I have a bazillion stories about that. I actually scanned a person in Athens, Greece, recently, who was a, a retired admiral in the Greek Navy, of all things. Mm, and, wow. and he had family members here that were trying to get back to him. And, and there were some weather opportunities. And so they were trying to figure out what stage he was in, you know, how close to death was he? Do we need to go now? Do we need to go later? And I do that often for families that live out of town because people are buying plane tickets and taking time off work. Oh, and, I know. You know, yeah, stuff like that. So many times and you don't know when to come and when not to come and do it, you know, how close yeah. really, and you get different answers yeah. from everybody you talk to. Mm-hmm. Well, so and does- in my mother's case, the, the hospice, she was in a hospice facility, a standalone hospice facility and the nurses, uh, but the, when we got up there, she was admitted on Friday night. We got to Ohio. She was in Ohio. We got there Saturday morning. We drove all night from Alabama because I couldn't, I could get there faster by driving all night than by flying at that point mm-hmm. when I got the word that she'd been transferred. And, um, and so when we got there, the, all the staff said, well, she's very well hydrated. She's come in from the hospital. It's going to be a couple of weeks. Well, based on what I was seeing, I was thinking, eh, not so much. And I spent the night because I didn't think she was going to make it through the night. And she died at five o'clock Sunday morning. And, wow. and the nurses all kept saying, it's going to be a couple of weeks. Well, that was not what I was seeing from the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Hey, Julie, I just wanted to clarify the uh, the school that you mentioned. Uh, I want to make sure I've got the right one. I just did a little research. The School of Healing Arts at the Estuary. Is that the right one? That's it. Yes. In Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Because I'm going to share that with our listener because uh, she was asking to make sure that was the right one. Yes. So, listener, I'm I'm now putting that in the check for you in the uh, chat for you, so you can uh, click on the link. Yep, oh, and she found it too. There we go. See, everybody's on the same page here. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm and that's, that's the one that I recommend because that's the one I went through. I took six years worth of training. I actually spent four times more money training myself on how to do this woo-woo stuff, as I call it, than I did to put myself through college with a bachelor's degree. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. It's, uh, but, but everybody, I think, does the energy work differently. And, and that's what makes it so wonderful because we all come up with our own nuances and skill sets and methodologies based on how we perceive the information and how information comes to us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What, well, it, it comes to all of us, I guess, but you seem to get it really, really clearly. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody who has the level of detail that you get, or at least not that they've related to me. Maybe they do get the detail. They just keep it quiet. I don't know. But your level of detail is r- really remarkable. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think that comes from my background. I think it also comes from my interest. And, and I think that, um, you know, everybody, the way people interpret things, there are, it's just what makes them, 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 you know, we all have our own ways of 
of doing things. And that's just my way. It's just how the information comes to me. Mm. Well, you're very modest about the way you say it, but uh, I'm I'm still quite impressed. I have to tell you that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. All right, so I'm going to ask you. Uh, one of, I, I like to ask the, the wacky questions. Okay, so here, here's my my sure. wacky question: What's the wildest experience you've had working with somebody where you were, uh, you know, connecting to them in this way? What's the most, you know, surprising result that you ever got? Uh, one one of my favorites was a uh, caller called into my show, and he wanted to know if he any, had any past life experiences that correlated with what he did for for his job in this lifetime. And I said, well, what do you do? And he said, I'm an engineer. I thought, okay, cool. So how I do past life stuff, unlike everybody I've ever talked to that does past life regressions or whatever, they hypnotize the person. Mm-hmm. I don't I do not do it that way. I, I, again, I'm an inventor, so I came up with this way on my own. I, inv- I hook into the person energetically, and then I envision myself walking down this endless hallway that has 30, 40 foot tall ceilings, and narrow. It's a narrow hallway, and walls, floor to ceiling, are covered in 12 by 12 inch mirrors. Wow! And each mirror represents a different lifetime. And as far as the eye can see, even further than I can see in my mind's eye, they they can look like dots on the walls. <laughs> so. I ask, can we come up with a question? Because spirits are really literal. And so I'll ask a question like, are there any um, past lives in which this caller, in which, um, let's call him um, Musa, I believe that was his name. Are there any past lifetimes in which Musa was an engineer and, and do they affect this lifetime? So the ones that correlate will come out from the wall almost as if they're on a hydraulic arm. Wow. And then I'll say, show me the one that correlates the most. And that one will come out the furthest. And then I picture myself going into this mirror and I'm shown a movie, kind of like a mini movie of what this lifetime is. And it'll and I'll be told dates and years and places and what's going on and I'll and I'll watch this little snippet of a movie unfold and then we'll correlate it to what's going on in that person's lifetime. So in Moose's case, he wanted to know if he had any past lifetimes when he was an engineer. Well, fine. So the one that I walked into, it looked like a Star Wars scene. Mm. It was flying, flying cars and jazz like that. And I thought, oh my gosh, is this a future <laughs> lifetime? Yeah, right. What I got was, no, it was a past lifetime. I don't remember what the year was, but I believe it was a BC year. And it was on a different planet. And I'm thinking, well, this is pretty wild. And <laughs> yeah. so what I got was that he was in charge of all the electrical stuff, like the power grid for this whole city that I was seeing. And the, the powering the cars and powering the buildings and powering the everything. And I said, you were responsible for that, for this whole city where I'm watching this or this whole whatever, um, outpost or board or whatever it was. Looked like looked like a city. Kind of looked like a cross between Star Wars and the Jetsons to me, actually. And I so, love it. So I said, Musa, what kind of engineer are you? And he said, I'm an, ele- I'm an electrical engineer. I said, okay, good. There you go. So How did he react to that, though? Really, that, because I mean, as an engineer, he's a very left-brain person. How did he react to it? 
Oh, he loved it. He Did thought he? it was great. And and so oftentimes with this past life stuff, stuff, I just did one with this client right before I called into the show and and it was a situation where she it was in the seventeen hundreds and she had been a woman in that lifetime and she was in the Netherlands. She was in Holland. I could see the windmill behind her and I could see the canals and she was out in this field of flowers and there was this um, these soldiers that were coming through that were just cutting through her property and they abused her. And I, the year say was 1737 or something. I'm thinking, I don't know Dutch history. I mean, I couldn't tell you about that, but we Googled it and sure enough told us where the battle was wow. correlated with where we got, where she was. I mean, all this stuff. And I laugh because I tell people I'm not that creative. I can't make up this stuff. <laughs> up. And then, and then we'll get, we'll get, um, validation by researching some of the dates and times and what's going on. And we'll even pull up the Google images and they'll match what I described, seeing how these soldiers were dressed. It's It's really, it's really fun. It's really fun. So what do you think is the most kind of, uh, for if you're going to have someone go into their past life, what would really be the biggest um, learning lesson or what's the biggest learning they can get out of doing that? What, how is it helpful to them? Because of the correlation that we make on what they've experienced previously and then how it affects this lifetime. And, and if it's something that's, a, that's um, detrimental or, or something that they don't necessarily want to continue a path that they want to continue, then what I do is I will, I will um, release or expel the past life energy from their DNA because our spirits, carry past life memory with us from lifetime to lifetime. And it comes in the DNA of ourselves from a spiritual standpoint. And most children remember past lives or snippets of past lives till they're about six or seven. And then their filters start to mature and they're told enough times, oh, honey, that's just your imagination. There really isn't a dancing bear in your bedroom at three in the morning (laughs) when in essence, there very likely is a dancing bear and the child can see it. Imaginary friends are the same way. And so by expelling that, then what we do is we release the need to continue that pattern. And, and when I, I force the past life energy out of their system, it comes out of their pores like this royal blue vapor really wild. I, mm. I tell them they look like big chia pets and instead of having green <laughs> sprouts growing out of their holes, they have <laughs> blue paper. That's a great visual. <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, you look at a chia pet where that stuff starts growing, it's just got a bunch of little holes in the porcupine or whatever. <laughs> Not that I've ever had one, but I see them, I see them on TV as commercials, usually around the holidays. But I think, yeah. Who's really going to buy that? Somebody? <laughs> somebody does. Otherwise, they wouldn't keep selling them, I guess. They but. do. Obviously. So, <laughs> so, and then, and then people, people tell me afterwards in subsequent conversations that it really helped. They could feel a difference. And is it a placebo effect? Who knows? But if they feel better, who cares? My -hmm. feeling. Um, But it also, I think when they see the validation of this past life and all the different pieces and parts of the scene that we get, and then we can validate from a historical perspective, what went on, 
the believability quotient goes up, Patty, to your point earlier, and uh, and it really helps people heal. Well, plus I would also argue that the the placebo effect is completely underrated. I mean, I I actually oh, think absolutely. that medical science should be doing a lot more research into the placebo effect because of all the the woo woo stuff. That's the one they have the most research and the most data on, and yet they dismiss it. And and it kind of drives me nuts because they've got all this information and they're not doing anything with it. Somebody, I'm sure somewhere is doing something, but I mean, as a mainstream community, overall, they just kind of throw the, the placebo part out. And I'm saying, oh, no, don't do that. There's so much good information there. But that's just me. You are absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I teach a lot of people about the NNT. Do you know about the NNT? I do not. No. What is that? It's called, it stands for the number needed to treat. Okay. And if you Google any, any medicine name or any procedure name and you put NNT at the end of it, it will come up with a number. And the number is how many people need to take that medicine, for instance, in order for it to help one person. Ah. So the higher the NNT, the less effective the medicine. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is prescribed a medicine and the NNT is 312, well, those are not very good odds not that that really. person, that that medicine is going to help that person. And then you can see what all the potential side effects are and you can gauge whether or not it makes sense. And when I educate my clients about that and they go in and they talk to their doctors and the doctors say, well, that's not correct. And they say, well, pull it up on your tablet. And they do. And then the doctor's saying, wow, well, that's just standard protocol of how we treat whatever. And the, the person says, well, the patient says, well, those are not very good odds. I'm not going to take that anymore. The doctor, a lot of the time, ends up agreeing with them mm. and or finds a different modality and or medicine to, to um, eradicate whatever this, the symptoms are they're trying to fix and or the side effects, which is normally a lot of medicines cause a bunch of side effects. And then you got to take other medicines to mm. take care of the side effects. And then yeah. it's just a hamster wheel. So number needed to treat, NNT is, is something that everybody that's taking medicine needs to, they need to research that medicine. Yeah, i have to keep that one in mind. I hadn't heard of that, but that that's a good piece of information. And it also yeah. kind of reminds me that, and it, you know, that we, we, we do have, of course, really good medical professionals out there. You just described how a number of doctors, when presented with information like that, will kind of backtrack and say, well, okay, we're not going to go that way. And, and that, I think, is where the change really happens, regardless of what the protocols say. The protocols ultimately respond to the community. And whenever I hear about practitioners who make changes, they, may, they, just, they, they shift their gears when they're presented with actual information. I have hope for the medical community when, when I hear that kind of thing. So to me, that's the good part of it right there. Well, absolutely. And, and doctors are trained to, to treat symptoms with drugs and surgery. That's just how they're trained. Oh, yeah. So there's no malicious intent no, there. No, not at all. They're doing what they believe is the best and what they were trained. And back to the number needed to treat for a second, that our Food and Drug Administration, and most every country has the equivalent of our Food and Drug Administration here in the U.S., they have to have that research before they'll approve a drug or a device. And I've dealt with them for 30 years because I manufactured surgical devices. So they have to have very concise clinical data in order to approve a drug. So that data is readily available. People just don't know to look for it. Mm, yeah. 
Well, it's an interesting way to look for it too. I don't think I ever would have looked for NND because I didn't know about it, but uh, it, it strikes me that's a nice, clean way to do a search. Absolutely. Yeah, that's very cool. And I'm curious how much, um, if you're being healed through spirit, um, if are you still at that point needing to do medical intervention or is it something that can be all taken care of or how does, how does that piece work? All of the above, mm-hmm. all of the above, everybody's different. Oftentimes the spiritual healing will take care of whatever the issue is or will get somebody very much on the path to healing. Uh, sometimes it's a precursor to, a human procedure that we'll have done or some type of human protocol that needs to be done. And I think there are lots of variables that come into play, not only from just a physical or medical standpoint, but also from an emotional standpoint. Mm -hmm. Uh, For instance, in the work that you do as a hospice person, uh, the people who have the prolonged diseases Certainly there's a medical component, but there's also a spiritual and an emotional component in helping to let the loved ones get used to the idea of them not being around, giving Absolutely. them time to put their affairs in order, uh, giving people the opportunity to come visit with that person, uh, knowing that their time is limited and really all the blessings and the glorious components to that. And so it's all part of our soul or our spirit's journey, soul, spirit. I, they're the same thing. Energy field, soul, spirit, it's all the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think everything is, is personalized. It's, I, may, I may see a healing happen on you, Patty, that completely eradicates, eradicates whatever's going on. I may see a similar healing on you, Walt, and you need to go have surgery to fix whatever the problem is, mm-hmm. just whatever you're your spirit and your soul's path is. Yeah, makes sense. I, I want to take a few minutes. Uh, while we have a few minutes left in the show, we have a couple of uh, announcements we do every show, and I want to make sure I get them in. First of all, if this is your first podcast, make sure that you become a subscriber. Um, this is the kind of good content you see every or listen to every time that you uh, tune into one of our episodes. So please just take a moment. The instructions on how to do it are right on the homepage of the website at LOAToday.net. Uh, and actually, if you're on an iPhone or an Android, iPhones are really easy. You just go to your podcast software and do a search for LOA Today there. Similarly, on an Android, you need to have podcast software installed first, but there are plenty of apps you can get through the Play Store, install one of them, do a search, and you'll find us and be able to subscribe that way. Second message, I want to make sure that our ongoing listeners help us with our, our ongoing push to find more and more people or let more and more people find us, actually, so they can find out about their daily dose of happy. Um, so just post something uh, on your social media about LOA today, and it doesn't matter what you say. Hopefully something nice. I mean, we hope that you're enjoying the show, but uh, you know, just post something, and every time that you do that, it's not just uh, the social media algorithm that's working. You're, you're putting it out there in energy, and energy is uh, delivering it to the people who need to hear it the most. And then finally, uh, just as... Uh, uh, we had uh, Josephine who, who came in with a question today, and earlier today we also had uh, Louis come in, uh, actually calling into the podcast this morning. Uh, we want to encourage our listeners to to call in, and all, again, all the instructions on how to do that are on the homepage at LOAToday.net, and those are our PR announcements for the day. So uh, we've got like a couple minutes left. I, I think I just want to kind of zoom in on one overall concept because there are going to be a lot of people, Julie, who are going to hear this and they're going to be intrigued and 
maybe even motivated like Josephine was to find out more. Um, would you recommend that they follow the kind of the same path you did? Would you recommend doing it a different way? If, if somebody wants to kind of investigate and learn how to do this, is that the best way to go? I can only say from what I did, that was my journey. I think, again, follow the yellow brick road. Do mm. some do some nosing around, for instance, online. Find something that piques your interest. Explore that a little bit. It will lead you to something else. Explore that. It's going to lead you to wherever it is that you need to go so that you can learn in the, the easiest, best way for whatever you, it is that you want to do. And then it's basically just following your nose at that point. Yeah, I think follow inspiration. Mm-hmm. We're inspired to Google something, and then we're inspired to look at another site, and then we're inspired to look at another site, and then perhaps we're inspired to buy a book and or put a phone call into somebody who could be a teacher or or read my book that has what my path was and see if that inspires you and gives you any idea of perhaps how you'd like to pursue it. If it's something that, that you want to do. And, and speaking of your book, what's the name of your book again? It's called angelic attendance. What really happens as we transition from this life into the next. And it's, you can get it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, bunch of different places. And uh, it's available in paperback in, in uh, digital and also in an audio book. And uh, all of that information is on my site, AskJulieRyan.com. And my podcast is Thursday night. So call in if you've got a question. That would be fun. I'd love to have you guys call in with a question. That would be fun to have you on the show. Yeah, I may be calling. Um, yeah, I would love that. And then be careful um, what you ask for, Julie, because we just might do it, you know, and and God (laughs) only knows. I mean, who knows what spirit's going to do at that point? This could be like a a spirit reboot just because we upset the show so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fun. That would be fun. Oh, we love it. And and thanks so much for uh, being our guest today, because it's been really educational and informative learning about what you do. I mean, the more that I've been doing this podcast, the more I've been meeting people who have, you know, different ways of, of connecting into energy and, and interacting with source. And every time it's different. And you've shown me just one more example of a different way that people connect. So I, I guess I just want to say thank you for doing that. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, we were glad to have you. And uh, we, we also have to make sure we spend a little uh, time on Patty because Patty is like a, a terrific contributor to the show and a, a life coach in her own right. So, Patty, I want to make sure I give you your, your few seconds. You, uh, you take calls from people. You, you take calls from people who are looking for some private assistance. How should they reach out to you in case they're interested? Yeah, so my main focus is, um, you know, relationship coaching using law of attraction, all different kinds of relationship coaching. So if somebody was interested, they could email me at patty at pattyframocoaching.com. There it is. All right. Ladies, this has been great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for sharing so much, Julie. And uh, I mean, like I said, be careful what you wish for, because we're going to call in and we're going to upset the entire continuum when we call (laughs) on the show. (laughs) I would love that. All right. And we hope that you'll join us next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.